0: Chapter Twelve of the Combined Maze by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Twelve. It was about nine o'clock of another Sunday evening a week later. Winnie Diamond was sitting on the edge of Violet's bed in the little back room in Saint Anne's Terrace. Violet in a white petticoat and camisole overcome by the heat lay stretched at length like a drowsy animal in the hollow of the bed where she had flung herself her head tilted back lay in the clasp of her hands her breasts drawn upward by the raised arms left her all slender to the waist the soft folded finely indented crook of her elbows made a white frame for her flushed face she was looking at winnie with eyes narrowed to the slits of the sleepy half-shut lids in a thick, sweet voice, a voice too drowsy for anything beyond the bare statement of the fact, she had been telling Winnie that she was engaged to be married to Mr Ransom. Now she was looking at Winnie, all her intelligence narrowed to that thread fine glint of half shut eyes, looking to see how Winnie would take it. Winnie took it with that blankness that leaves the brain naked to all irrelevant impressions, and with a silence that made all her pulses loud. She heard the rattle and roar of a distant tram, and the clock striking the hour in the room below. She saw the soiled lining and the ugly warp of Violet's shoes kicked off and overturned beside the bed. Beyond the shoes, a stain that had faded rose and became vivid on the carpet. Then a film came over Winnie's eyes, and on the far border of the field of vision, somewhere toward the top of her head, a yellow chest of drawers with white handles grew dim and quivered and danced like the yellow and white spectre of a chest of drawers i suppose you're surprised said violet no i'm not not at all and she wasn't but she was amazed at her own calmness i knew it she said knew it yes of course she had known it if she hadn't how could she have endured it now when did you know last week when you came back that was not true she had known about it before last week she had known it as long as she had known violet and she had known that because of it violet would come back she hadn't blamed violet for coming back even now as she sat on violet's bed and was tortured by those lights under violet's eyelids even now she didn't blame her and if she turned her shoulder it was not because she minded violet looking at her she was past minding that but because she was afraid to look at violet she didn't want to see her lying there it was almost as if she were afraid of hating her behind her violet was stirring she had drawn up her outstretched limbs and raised herself on the pillows Winnie felt her behind her restless and alert then she spoke again you needn't mind Winnie. it's got to be mind what makes you think i'm minding the way you sit there with your mouth shut saying nothing there's nothing to say i'm not surprised you've not told me anything i didn't know well anyone would think you didn't approve of it why can't you get up and say you hope we'll be happy or something of course i hope you'll be happy i want you to be happy of course she did look here violet was sitting up now was there anything between you and him when he rose straight and turned and looked at her you've no business to ask that she said yes i have she rose slowly twisted herself slid her foot to the floor and stood up facing winnie if i'm going to marry him i've a right to know not that it'll make a scrap of difference. Who told you there was anything between us? Nobody told me. I mean, was there before I came? There was never anything, never. Anyone who tells you anything different's telling you a lie. I'm not saying we weren't friends. Violet smiled. I'm not saying you were anything else. You can go on being friends. I shan't care. Only don't you go saying I came between you, that's all. At that, Winnie fired as if i'd do any such a thing i don't know what can have put it into your head violet laughed you should see your face she said why anyone could tell you were gone on him they've only got to look at you there are some insults some insolences that cannot be answered you can believe that said winnie if you like if it makes you any happier but your believing it won't make it true she walked slowly in her small dignity to the chair where she had thrown down her hat she took up the hat and put it on deliberately with a high bravery before the glass then she turned to her friend and smiled at her it's all right she said though you mightn't think it good-bye whereupon violet rushed at her and kissed her it isn't your fault and it isn't mine Winky," she whispered it's got to be i tell you she drew herself from the embrace erect and rosy in a sudden passion that had in it both triumph and despair Wild horses couldn't have torn him and me apart. And Winnie didn't blame her, even in the pain of the night that followed, when she lay awake in the bed she shared with Maudie Hollis, stifling her sobs lest she should waken Maudie, clutching the edge of the mattress where she had writhed out of Maudie's reach. For at the first sound of crying, the proud beauty had turned to her friend and put her arms about her and held her in a desolate and desolating embrace. Don't cry, Winnie don't cry dear it isn't worth it had been maudie's consolation for though winnie hadn't said a word to her she knew and she had followed it up by declaring that she hated that violet usher and she hated Ransom, and she hated everybody who made little Winky, little darling Winky, cry but Winky didn't hate them it had to be nothing could be more beautiful in its simplicity than her acceptance of the event and she didn't blame them she didn't blame anybody she had brought it on herself the thing was as good as done last summer when she had stopped ranny making love to her she had stopped it on purpose she knew he couldn't afford to marry her not for years and years she knew he had been trying to tell her so and it didn't seem fair somehow to let him get worked up all for nothing that was how girls drove men mad she considered that she was there to take care of ranny and she had seen in her wisdom that to keep ranny well in hand would be less hard on him than to let him lose his head violet hadn't seen it that was all besides violet was different she had ways with her which made it no wonder if franny lost his head in Winnie's opinion the man didn't live who could resist violet and her ways she got round you somehow she'd got round Winnie last year when she'd come imploring her to take her to the grand display at the polytechnic gymnasium teasing her and threatening that if she didn't take her she'd go off to the empire by herself she had spoken as if going to the empire was a preposterous and unheard-of thing when he didn't know that violet had gone there more than once not by herself but with the foreman of her department and she had had to take her and that of course had done it though she had been afraid of this thing and had foreknown it from the beginning she had taken her though she had been afraid ever since she had seen Violet's face and watched her ways. So afraid was she that she had tried to keep Ranny from ever seeing Violet. Time and again she had hurried her away when she had seen Ranny coming, while the fear in her heart told her that those two were bound to meet. She had lived from hand to mouth on her precarious happiness, contented if she could stave off the evil day. And it was all worse than useless. Violet had been aware that she was being hurried away when Ranny came in sight and it had made her the more set as for winnie's hope that violet would forget all about ranny when some other man appeared it was futile as long as she took care of violet taking care of violet meant keeping her as far as possible out of the way of other men so that there again it seemed as if she had arranged it so that ranny should be the only one for winnie had divined her friend's disastrous temperament even while she maintained hotly that there was no harm in her and she had almost quarrelled with maudie because the proud beauty had said well you'll see winnie knew nothing about violet and the foreman and with the same innocence she never doubted that when violet and ransome met that night at the polytechnic it was for the first time and so she stitched with a good will at a white muslin blouse for violet's wedding present and folded it herself and put it away in the yellow chest of drawers with the rest of violet's wedding things it lay there all snowy white with a violet-centred sachet on the top of it a sachet winnie had found it in the drawer with a pattern of violets on a white satin ground and the name violet sprawling all across it in embroidery End of chapter twelve recording by expatriate in bangor maine